Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. We are in the sixth part of our Jesus Said What series um, because there's some shocking things that Jesus said. And I want to remind you again that, yes, we're each teaching has its own thing for us to glean from, and, and we, we do and we will. Uh, but the whole purpose of this series is for us to look at some of the challenging things that Jesus said, to prime our hearts, to prime our minds for the truth that if we're really going to take a step forward in our relationship with God, we have to be ready, we have to understand, we have to embrace the fact that there's going to be some times that the Holy Spirit says some challenging, hard things to us. In places we're really comfortable with the way our life is. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you, the life can be lived better. You need a transformation in the way you see yourself. You need a way, transformation in the way you see the people around you. You need a transformation in the way you see God. And we need to have our minds ready that, yes, when we go into the scriptures, we're going to find encouragement. We're going to find the, the promises. But we also should be ready to find some correction. And that this whole series is just to prime our minds, to be ready, to have tender hearts, to let God gently, lovingly correct and bring about um, some difficult spiritual conversations in our hearts. Um, Well, we've led off with this idea that some of the things that Jesus said were totally shocking because we were looking at things totally wrong. Um, that we were looking at them just from the wrong lens. And the truth is, is so many times you can just have your mind set like one way, your brain is going down one path and then some new information comes in and you just, you can't get it because your brain's just running this direction. It just doesn't, it just doesn't compute. And you just, it's hard sometimes for us to take the correction because we're just so committed to one train of thought and one way of doing life. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, this conversation I heard the second grade teacher was teaching her little little ones, um, had a little science lesson on magnets and was showing them, you know, that how magnets work and all of these different things. And she noticed that one of her little students was not paying good attention as maybe should have. And she'd present all this new information, all this stuff about magnets, had been going over magnets over and over and over again and pointed out the little guy and said, uh, hey, um, you know, we've just been doing uh, a lesson here. And um, tell me, um, a, a word that starts with the letter M and it can pick things up. And he said, mother. And so, and sadly, sadly, once we kind of have that in our minds, that certain things that, that that's kind of what moms do, that moms are the ones who kind of like come behind and pick things up for the kids. And of course, the dads never leave anything around uh, to be picked up. That, that, that never, ever happens. Uh, and in fact, there's another little story about uh, this dad and his kids were sitting around and looking through the old photo albums. And so now we would be scrolling through our phones. But 
this is old school where you're like flipping the pages and stuff and looking through the old photo albums and uh, talking to his, his daughter and sees some of the, come across some of the wedding pictures and just say, man, this was, this was one of the best days of my life and this was so sweet and we, I just love this day. And the little girl looks at her daddy and looks at the pictures and says, daddy, was this the day you got mom to come work for us? And so, and, uh, and so there's a, a place where sometimes in motherhood, you know, that it can just feel like that that ends up what it being, is boiled down to. It's just lots of thankless service and lots of different things. And we get, can get our mind going in one direction and miss out on the real value that exists in another space. And as we've looked at some of the things that Jesus said that were shocking they were shocking because we didn't have heaven's perspective, because we didn't see things. Now, we're familiar, if you've been around church, you're familiar with the Trinity, with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus talking and saying things like, I and the Father are one, and he's the one who taught us to pray, our Father in heaven. And we're very used to the idea of the word Father coming out of Jesus's mouth. But today, I want us to spend some time on the idea, the truth, um, that Jesus said, Mom, uh, that Jesus had a mom, that for Jesus to be able to come and do what he did, one of the first things that had to transpire was that there was a young, a young lady who got an angelic visitation, who got told and had to dare to believe that she could become pregnant without knowing a man and say, immediately say yes to scandal, to being looked at sideways, to being gossiped about in the rumor mill that there was sacrifice right from the beginning of a mom saying, yes, I'll do this. Yes, I would choose to believe that a miracle could happen and God's word could be spoken and I could conceive a child and, and carry that child that that God wanted and needed a woman to be the mother to the savior of the world. And as Jesus is growing up, and we knew he was gonna say that he would be about his father's business, his, his heavenly father, have an earthly father, but Jesus repeatedly said mom. And a lot of times in our connection and learning to connect with our heavenly father, we forget that we can learn a lot from the way that Jesus connected with his earthly mother. And we've jumped off from John three seventeen every week because as we prepare our hearts and minds for the idea that God will bring some correction into our lives, we have to have the right foundation, the right perspective. And John three seventeen is that anchor point for us, which reminds us that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The truth is, is any times the Holy Spirit points out that there needs to be some change in your life. Well, immediately the enemy comes in and tries to bring guilt and shame. Oh, you should have known better. You should have done better. You, you're, you're a failure. Or you, why do you call yourself a Christian? All these different things and immediately comes in and brings guilt and shame. That's not the voice of our Heavenly Father. That Jesus came in not to condemn the world. So we have to be willing to have these hard conversations, these challenging conversations, recognizing that it didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the reason Jesus is here. That's the reason the hard conversations are happening is to bring about salvation, a deeper level 
of what Jesus accomplished for us into our lives. And as we begin to look at Jesus' connection with his earthly mother, one of the truths we have to understand and step into first is this truth that goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments and that, it, that we need to honor your mother, beloved God, above all. We have to honor mother and love God above all. If you've been around church for a while, you're familiar with the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments, um, all have guidance on how we interact with God. The last five commandments have guidance on how we interact with one another. And so, of course, we understand that God's called us to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. The first four commandments, interacting with God, last five, neighbor as ourself. But there's a bridge commandment. It's the fifth commandment, right in between those two chunks of commandments. And it's honor your father and mother. There's a space where we're learning to be able to connect with our heavenly father begins with learning how to connect with our earthly parents, with our mother and our earthly father. Learning how to be able to love our neighbor starts with beginning to how to love and honor our parents, the first people that were closest to us at birth. That is put right in the middle as this beautiful bridge to begin to help us to connect this whole thing. And so understanding we're called to honor our mother and love God above all, and that Jesus, Jesus held that up and, and even affirmed that. And we have to get this down because we are going to get into the thing that was really surprising that Jesus said. But first, let's get the foundation. Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. says, Jesus replied and said, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. Now that's Old Testament, praise God for grace. Um, but that's, that Old Testament was hardcore. I don't know what the U.S. population would look like if that was still in place. <laughs> but we would have to get a new census, I'm pretty sure. Um, praise God for grace. But it was hardcore. Like you were going to honor your mother or um, they really had the power to, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out again. I mean, they, they, had, they had the power. And so, um, but... Verse five, um, Jesus goes on to say, but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God or korban, that they're not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain and their teachings are merely human rules. So here was what was happening and Jesus was just, was just punching. Somewhere along the line, there became this tradition that instead of caring for your aged and elderly parents, that you could decide to say the resources that I would use to take care of you, I'm calling it korban. I'm calling it devoted to God. And now their tradition allowed them to literally do anything else with those resources but care for their parents because it was devoted to God. And Jesus is calling this out. It's like, 
How on, how on earth can you say that there's something devoted to God when you are using it to dishonor your parents, to dishonor your mother, to somehow hide behind your devotion to God to not care for your mom? That's, that's messed up. You're not allowed to hide behind your devotion to God to, um, to not care for your mother. Jesus calls this out, spells it out, challenges it. We have to have that understanding to read Luke 14. Read Luke 14 and um, verse 25. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Bunch of people were around him. He'd been working miracles, signs and wonders, miraculous meals. He was the popular guy. And there are just lots of just people just traveling, big crowds. And he turned to them. And he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. See, I couldn't bring myself to title this message the, the challenging thing Jesus said that I could have titled that, I could have said the title of this message is hate your mom. Jesus said it. But we have to get it in context. We have to understand what he's talking about, what he is dealing with, and, and to understand that there are these people who are just hanging around. And he's like, if you want to come after me, you want to follow fully after me, you want to be my disciple, then you're going to have to hate your father and mother, your brother and sister, your children, even your own life. You can't let anything get in the way of your devotion to me. Now, the best story I know that explains what this looks like, the story of a minister named Rabbi Marty. Um, when Cutie and I and our family was traveling before we started Celebration Church, um, we, were, we traveled in 2008, and uh, we only had five kids at that time. And so, and uh, all of us were in a motor home, and we traveled for about a year, and we traveled to a lot of churches, interviewed a lot of leaders to just get ready for what God was going to call us into. And, and um, we got to spend time with my sister and brother-in-law's um, uh, Rabbi, and so it's a messianic synagogue in Plano, uh, Texas, um, called Baruch Hashem. So they embrace Jesus as Messiah, um, but they're very intentional on reaching um, a Jewish uh, Jewish people. And so I got to spend about two hours with Rabbi Marty and talking to him about how he ended up um, being born and raised a Jew, how he ended up being a, a, a Christian leader, a Christian pastor. And so he begins to tell me the story. And he goes back into the space of his parents. His parents were both Jews and they both spent time and were delivered and liberated from separate concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And so um, they, thankfully they, were, they did not know one another then. They both end up fleeing and coming to the United States. They meet in the U.S. and fall in love. And, and so, but they both spent time in concentration camps. Rabbi Marty's father um, was in the concentration camp, runs into his childhood rabbi and sees him in the concentration camp and goes up to his rabbi and says, Rabbi, 
What is happening? We're God's favored people. Why is this happening? How can this be? Where is God in the middle of this? And his rabbi, whose faith was shook, who was challenging everything he had ever been taught and known and had just given up himself, looked at him and said, there is no God. And that just confirmed to him what he had known. It was just, this was just some stories. These were some of our traditions. And from that point moving forward, he became an atheist and that there was no God and was eventually liberated and delivered and moved forward with his life. But Rabbi Marty's mother, she went the complete opposite direction. Her time in the concentration camp brought her deeper into her faith. She relied more upon her faith. She celebrated and thanked God when the allied forces came in and and delivered them and broke through the strongholds and took them out of that concentration camp. She, She thanked God and was grateful for all of those different things. Her faith got stronger in Yahweh for what for the inside of the space where she had suffered and gone through what she had gone through. And then they come together and meet this atheist of Jewish heritage and this devout Jew of Jewish heritage and they fall in love and they each have compassion for one another and begin to have a family. And she tolerates his atheism and he tolerates her devoutedness and and her devotion, and they move forward and have a family, and Rabbi Marty is born into this, and then Rabbi Marty's a young man um, in the uh, late 60s, and if you've seen Jesus Revolution and are familiar with the Jesus movement and all of that, uh, Rabbi Marty met Jesus um, in that same environment. Rabbi Marty had, was living just a complete secular life. Uh, he was a hippie and did all the stuff hippies did and smoked all the stuff hippies smoked and just was enjoying his life. And he ends up meeting someone who had been radically saved by Jesus. Here's the m- message of the gospel. And gives his life to Jesus and becomes radically saved and immediately goes to share with his mother who has devotion and is praying for Messiah to come. And he's like, Mom, Messiah has come. It's, it's Yeshua. It's, it's Jesus. And she immediately, immediately bows up. And she says, you've gone to Hitler's side and you're dead to me. You're dead to me. I want nothing to do with you. And at that point, his relationship with his mother was broken. She was so angry. She was so hurt. She wanted nothing to do with him. Very soon after that, as they're going to Shabbat service at their synagogue, then there's a prayer that the Jewish people will pray for, for people who have departed, who have died. And it's called Kaddish. And they'll begin to pray Kaddish for those that they want to remember every Shabbat. And she tells her husband, says, I'm going to pray Kaddish over Marty. He's dead to me. And in their strong culture, if you've prayed Kaddish over someone, you have given up that relationship for life. They're done, whether they're alive or not. And she's just like, he's, he's dead to me already. I'm gonna pray Kaddish. And her husband, who didn't care about religion, said, please don't do that. Give him some space. He's young, give him some space. So she, she didn't. She didn't do that. And so sure enough, as life moves forward and, and Marty is sitting there with this tension He's found this new life in Jesus, but his love and gratitude for his mother has put him in a place 
that his, his love for God has created brokenness for his mother. This lady who had already in his mind suffered enough and it was so challenging to him and he had to be in this place that said, you know what? I'm gonna have to trust God with my mother's broken heart. I'm gonna have to trust God with her broken heart. And I just have to believe that if your love and your grace is so big that you've done what the scriptures say you've done, that your grace is big enough to even mend this and say, I am not going to back off of my devotion to you out of my devotion to my mom. I'm going to move forward with you and I'm going to trust you with my mom. Praise God, sure enough, time goes by. Marty ends up getting to lead his father to Jesus. And he ends up placing his faith in in Yeshua, that Messiah had come. He ends up getting to lead his brother to Jesus. Eventually, he led his mother to Jesus. And she became a believer in Yeshua and began to to read the New Testament and, and learn that what Jesus had already accomplished. He ends up being able to see that the God who loved him so much he gave himself up for him, he could trust him with his mother's broken heart. And as time went by, God healed things and brought things back in. See, that is what the rest of this passage shows us, that that is the shocking thing of, hey, your mom, it's really not that. It's trust me and don't let Rose relationships get in the way. In fact, let's go on with verse 27. It says, whoever does not carry their cross, which means just dealing with the hard, challenging things that come with following Jesus. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? He's like, you need to think about this. If you're going to follow me, you need to think about this. This is going to impact your relationship with everybody. It's going to impact your relationship with your spouse. It's going to impact your relationship with your parents. It's going to impact your relationship with your children. You need to think about this. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose that a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation, and while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace... In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. What Jesus was saying in these two passages is you cannot hide hide behind your devotion to God to not love and honor your mother. But you cannot have your love and devotion to your mother override and get in the way of your devotion to God. We have to choose to honor our mother and love God most of all. So as we begin to finish this message up and begin to look at this this morning, I want us to look at some ideas of what, what does God have to say to moms today? And Initially, I want to say that to moms with difficult children, it'd be don't give up. Don't give up. Sometimes things can be challenging. Things can be hard. It can feel like that you're getting nowhere and those things, those things take place. We know enough to not judge an artist's painting 
while the brush is still in his hand. Give him some room. Give him some space. Moms, you're still at it. Even if you've got grown kids, you're still at it. Give yourself a break. So if you're having some difficult children, then don't give up. And the truth is, Mary had some difficult days. And we don't typically think of Jesus being someone who was hard to raise. But we have at least one example where Mary got really frustrated with Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 2 that we're about to read, um, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the family, they go from Nazareth to um, Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. They go, they celebrate it, but everybody travels together. It's safer, it's more enjoyable. Everybody's kind of able to help one another out. So they travel together um, to this and then they celebrate the Passover and then they've started their journey back, okay? They've traveled an entire day back from Jerusalem towards Nazareth and at the end of the day, they have the conversation. And Mary goes up to Joseph and she says, hey, where's Jesus? And Joseph's like, I thought he was with you. And uh, Joseph should have known right there. You lose the son of God, you're in trouble. So he has to have the card conversation and go, hmm, babe, I thought he was with you. And then they look in their entire delegation. They can't find Jesus. And this is evening. It is not safe to travel at night. So they have to wait all night. We all know Mary didn't get any sleep. None. She's missing her boy. She's not getting any sleep at all. First light, they're gone. They have a whole day's journey to get back. So now Jesus has already been gone two days, okay? And then they get into Jerusalem and they don't just walk in and find him sitting on the curb saying, you left me. No, they they don't find, they have to search for him in Jerusalem. It says, and after three days, verse 46, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, They were astonished. And his mother said to him, the most mom thing ever. Son, why have you treated us like this? (laughs) She didn't say, where you been? She said, hey, you need a snack. She didn't say anything. She's like, why did you treat me like this? Why did you do this? It's so mom. And so why did you treat us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And then Jesus, verse 49, why were you searching for me? He asked. Okay, I've got a very sweet mom, but um, if I'd have said that to my mom, that'd have been the end of the paragraph. It's just, (laughs) that's it. Luke chapter two is just over. (laughs) I woke up at some point, but probably back in Nazareth. And uh, it was just not gone good. And uh, he says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Yet again, so preteen, having the preteen experience. My parents don't understand me. 
We have a modern family. Why are you doing this to me? Well, you don't understand me. It's all played out right here. And now my notes just went weird. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. She treasured these things. She had just had one of the most anxiety-ridden experiences of her life. She had lost her son for three days. But she found him in the house of the Lord having a conversation with the teachers and the leaders, and they were astonished. And when her emotions settled down, when everything, all the dust settled, she found something to treasure. And only moms can find something good when their kids do something that just drives them up the wall. No, it's moms who go, well, he's destined to be a leader. Uh, Well, okay. Right now he's just causing problems in the class. But she found something to treasure. I think we can take away this idea that maybe in the things that frustrate us most, maybe in some of the issues of life that we find anxiety ridden and filled with, filled with anxiety, maybe we can look back and see something to cherish, something to treasure, see God at work in some space, even in the places where we wished that things had not gone that way. Mary found something to treasure in the middle of that. And then to moms who are experiencing a victory, you need to cherish the moment. See, Jesus' first miracle took place at her insistence and the compassion for the family having the wedding. We're going to look at John chapter 2, and Jesus has not begun his earthly ministry yet, but Mary knows She knows who Jesus is. She knows that he's special. And they get invited to a wedding and they go to the wedding. And and as they're there, Mary is in mom mode. She's noticing things that are happening. And she notices that the wedding still has some distance to go and they're running out of wine. Well, in our culture, that's not necessarily as tragic as it would have been in their culture. To this day in Middle Eastern culture, um, this idea of hospitality is huge. It is absolutely just pivotal. And so for them to run out of wine while the wedding still was not finished celebrating would have been, brought a ton of shame on that household. And Mary sees that some of these people are drinking way too fast. They're drinking way more than anybody planned. And we're having a problem. And we need to do something about this. And so she goes to Jesus and says, hey, um, they're running out of wine. And Jesus, in verse 4, says, woman, why do you involve me? Which, again. (laughs) Jesus says some shocking stuff. Says, my hour has not yet come. And look at what his mom does. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She acts like he's not even talking. (laughs) She just looks at him. She's like, yeah, he's going to just do what he says. He's my boy. I know he's going to handle this. I know he's going to do it. He's going to do something. He's not going to let this slide. You just, just do whatever he says. 
So sure enough, he then tells them, says, hey, get the water jars that we use for cleansing. I fill them up. These are big water, gallons and gallons and gallons, and there's multiple. Fill them up. He says, okay, now take a scoop of it and carry it over to the master of the ceremony. And he scoops in, the scriptures tell us to scoop water. He says, take a scoop of the water. And somewhere between the place of, of where it was scooped, there in the, the water jars, and somewhere between there and the master's lips, by the time it touches the master's lips, the master of the ceremony all of a sudden goes, oh my goodness, this is the best wine I've ever tasted. This is the most, this, this is the best. And says, guess what? Most people serve this at the beginning and then after people have well drunk. So yes, even in Jesus's day, there's those family members that did that at the wedding. And they're like, then you bring out the cheap stuff and nobody cares. You know, they can't, can't tell the difference anyways. He said, but you, you have saved the best for last. All of a sudden he takes this, this moment that was about to bring shame to the household and he didn't just save the day and just let them have some wine. No, all of a sudden it now became a place of honor. Jesus stepped in and stopped the shame and brought honor. All of a sudden we see that and why? because he was honoring his mother. It wasn't because his heavenly father had released him to be able to start to minister. It's because his earthly mother saw a need and he honored his mother. And she celebrated the win. She celebrates that. And we see this in verse 12, just a couple of, of uh, verses after this. It says that after this, after the wedding, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples and there they stayed for a few days. We see that he just goes and has a little trip with his mom and his disciples and just chills and they're just able to enjoy that moment. And then last of all, to moms experiencing heartbreak. One day God will mend your broken heart. I know this is a challenging day for a lot of people and, and there's some who it's just a sweet, sweet moment and you're loving it all day. And to others, it's, it's tough. But here in John chapter 19, Jesus is on the cross. He's on the cross dying for our sins, fulfilling his assignment. And in verse 25, it says, near the cross, Jesus uh, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to, to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, his disciple took her into his home. Jesus, with the, whole, the weight of the world on his shoulders, literally dying for the, for the sin of the world, he sees his mother and makes sure and one of the few sentences we have spoken from the cross are, are these, making sure that someone knew that they were going to care for his mother as the firstborn, as the eldest child, it was to fall to him to care for an aging mother. But he sat there and he's like, you're going to be taken care of, mom, because John, the one he loved, is going to take care of you. Church history says that's exactly how it unfolded. I can only imagine the moment that Mary is having. She's there at Passover. Her son is being killed. 
See, when she said yes to the angel, the angel said he's going to be the king. He's going to be the Messiah. Didn't say he's going to die. She didn't know that. She didn't know that. So here she is. She's having PTSD. She's already been in Jerusalem on a Sabbath, on a, on a, on a, a Passover before and lost Jesus. She's already had that. She's already nervous. She already feels the shame. She already feels the loss that she had when she, he was 12. And now here he is, 33 years old. And he's dying on the cross, supposed to be the Messiah, supposed to be the king. And she's got to be thinking, well, what did I do? What did I do wrong? How did it end up like this? What on earth is going on? She didn't understand. She didn't understand that he would be in his father's house. That very soon he was going to breathe his last. He was going to present his blood on the mercy seat of heaven. He was going to make it where all of us were 100% right with God. She didn't understand. But guess what? There was a little foreshadowing. There was a little gift she didn't know existed. Because the first time she was in Passover and she lost Jesus, guess what? Three days later, she got him back again. So as she is sitting there on Passover one more time looking at the loss of Jesus... There's a truth that she didn't know that three days later, she was going to get him back again. See, Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalms 147, 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And Psalm 68, 6 reminds us of this, that God sets the lonely in families and he leads out the prisoners who are singing, but the rebellious, they live in a sun-scorched land. He cares. He cares for the brokenhearted. If you're here this morning, you're brokenhearted. God will bring healing and restoration. Our bottom line this morning is this, is that our heavenly father loves every earthly mother. I hope this morning, I hope this morning you feel the love of God. I hope you sense that you matter. That if you've had challenges, if you've had wins, if you've had heartbreak, God sees you and you matter this morning. And it's because God loves the world. And he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would have life. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you.